Welcome to the Get More Success Show. He's a guy who never measured a man's success by the size of his wife. It's showtime. 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 And now, here is your host, Warwick Mary. Welcome back to another episode of the Get More Success Show. I'm your host, Warwick Mary from warwickmary.com. Now, today we have a truly international executive and seasoned entrepreneur. Uh, he studied, worked, and built business across multiple countries, specifically Australia, China, and Singapore. Uh, he's multilingual, done a lot of work in the fields of medical science, management, high tech, got a great book, done a TEDx presentation, blah, blah, blah. But he's also started a comedy school, the School of Knock Knocks. Would you please welcome to the show the lovely Maury Morgan. Welcome, Maury. Thank you very much. Warwick, um, just to correct you, it is the school of hard knock knocks. The, uh, oh. the school of the school of knock knocks is the ripoff from China. Uh, of course, it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, hard hard knocks are always better than those soft ones. That's for sure. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I'm going to start off with the same way I do all my shows, and that is by asking, how do you define success? Someone who has done so many amazing things and worked in so many different fields and lived in different countries, and uh, you know, you really are a serial entrepreneur. How mm. do you define success? Oh, I think quite simply doing what you love and not doing what you hate, which seems pretty bloody obvious, but there's a lot of people who probably listen to this podcast going, I hate my Mondays and I hate most of the days of work. I wish I was doing something else, but I need to pay the mortgage or I need to put the kids through school, you know, top schools, and I need to go on that world trip with the family. Um, and they're not enjoying their job. And I've, I've met plenty of people in my parents' generation that that was how they lived. They lived for retirement. Yeah. So, yeah. Success for me is doing right now what you love doing. So that's, that's a fantastic definition. So I want to know, how do you fit that in? Because currently you're doing the school of hard knock knocks. You're the executive producer, producer of Is This Thing On, um, which I want to find out a bit more about. Uh, yeah. And also, you're the head of business development marketing for My Security Media. So, yep. how do you, and I'm, and I'm certain that outside all of that, you've got hobbies, personal life, and have fun things as well. So, how do you maintain the focus on each of these different elements uh, to create this life that you love to live? Well, uh, an ecosystem that is collaborative in that uh, what you just mentioned, particularly the Ito, the Is This Thing On TV show and the School of Hard Knock Knocks and my hobby or my enjoyment of comedy and beer are all connected to the one, the one thing. Uh, they're, they're all an ecosystem that supports one another. Probably the odd one out is that uh, is the my, my security media, which is a different using the different part of my brain, my right brain. I'm not sure. I think it's my right brain. Could be my left, uh, which is the more technical side, which looks at um, the, you know technical um, um, Internet of Things and autonomous vehicles and these these kinds of technologies that I'm involved with. But I should add, a lot of what I do in that business is involves podcasting and video work and interviews, which I also do in my comedy world as well. So yeah, it is part of the same ecosystem. So tell me, how did this, the School of Hard Knock Knocks come about? Because, you know, you, here you are doing your average everyday head of sales, selling technical things as, as you do. And then all of a sudden you've started a comedy school. How did that all come mm -hmm. about? 
Yeah, I'll, yeah. Well, to make it even weirder, I actually uh, studied microbiology and toxicology at university. So, <laughs> of course, and uh, they're very funny subjects. I'm sure <laughs> they are. And and look, it is a straight line if you look back. Uh, it is stepping stones over a creek or stream to get to uh, in fact i don't think there is actually another side the bank just keeps getting further and further away from you uh to me there's a straight line but um to answer your question directly i ran a business and you mentioned in the intro that i um i used to live in china actually 12 years full-time in shanghai a little bit of time in beijing and i built a training company a company called clark morgan clark morgan limited and uh, that that was a company that trained multinational companies the staff of multinational companies predominantly chinese but people from all over the world finland iceland the us france in leadership development management uh, type skills presentation skills um, business writing communications, all, all different areas. So I learned the skill of being able to teach other people. And because China, as you, as you know, when we all know now in hindsight, which we'd known earlier, uh, that is, a, is a, it, it went from a backwater in the early two thousands when I arrived there to a powerhouse. China is, you know, second, um, only behind the U S now. And, um, but how did it get there? How did it get there so quickly? Because really did that in the last 20, 20 years, 25 years. And that's where my business in China was developing the skill sets needed to be able to manage teams, uh, lead divisions, provide strategy. And that's what I did. So when I came to Australia, when I came back to Australia, backwards integrated, as I like to call it, um, (laughs) I actually found my, my skills probably a little bit underappreciated and I got my ego got a bit of a, a knocking because I thought, oh my God, I speak Mandarin. I've built a business with 85 full-time staff in China. I've got offices all over China. Um, I wrote a book through Wiley on China. I've given three TEDx presentations on China and people didn't want to know me in Australia. It wasn't relevant. Um, they had other things to worry about, um, you know, regional Victoria or, uh, you know, um, how to how to build a a new factory outside Sydney or something something quite smaller than than my sort of my area, and then I looked and I thought, well, I was doing a lot of public speaking anyway, a lot of keynotes based on my book, and um, I had a bad experience, and then uh, my wife suggested, well, you know, you had that problem at the beginning of your presentation because of a technology fail, uh, you should have just done some stand up comedy. I'm like, what do you mean? Just do some stand-up comedy. I, I might be able to make people laugh around a barbecue, but I, I have no structure or I don't know how to even open a five-minute set. So she got on her mobile phone. This was on the number 12 tram in Melbourne. If anyone who knows Melbourne would know the number 12, runs up Collins Street. Yep. And uh, she said, all right, here it is. Two weeks' time from now, there's a stand-up comedy course. She uh, enrolled me in there and I did it. And... Uh, Look, it was one of the most frightening things, second only to skydiving, which I've also done. And um, I did it. And then at the end of it, I went, my God, I currently have a company with, at the time, five offices across China and Singapore. And uh, I consult the biggest multinationals in the world. I could improve this guy's business massively. It was just like screaming at me, Maury, you can't not compete against this market. Yeah, and so I, um, over the Christmas period of two thousand and sixteen, uh, sorry, two thousand and fifteen, two thousand sixteen. That's right, two thousand fifteen, two thousand sixteen. I wrote the syllabus, um, did all the interviews, 
with comedians um, and, and wrote the syllabus. And then we rolled out our first course in March 2016. Fantastic. And so what's happened since then? Are you hands-on in it or the joint venture, you've sort of, you created the structure, the other people operate it? How, how does it work for you? I'm very much the hands-on. I'm very much the back office, uh, so to speak. Um, although I, I, do, I do get free training because I've sat in just about every class since <laughs> as a student. And I actually sit in there with the likes of Richard Stubbs and Glenn Nicholas and Chris Chris Franklin and Jeff Green, they're top level comedians and it's my business. So I don't charge myself for it. And uh, I get coached on how to write better jokes, which I then have applied to a little bit of my keynoting, but actually as I've got more into comedy, I've actually done less keynoting and then um, yeah. And that, and I've been focused on building the school yeah. of hard not knocks. And we just, we just did a course in Adelaide more, most recently too. So. Fantastic. Where are you're based in Melbourne, but where yes. whereabouts do you run the courses? So Melbourne, Adelaide, where else? Yeah, so Melbourne's our home base, essentially, uh, in South Yarra. We did uh, Adelaide two weeks ago in North Adelaide with Glenn Nicholas. We've done Geelong um, with, um, with uh, Dave Ivkovich. Um, and uh, we've done Wagga Wagga with Dane Simpson. Uh, Dane Simpson's an, a very, becoming a very popular comedian. Um, yeah. across Australia. Mm. Cool. Hey, so what, because there's, there's a big difference between I can tell a few jokes or I'm a funny guy chatting around a yeah. barbecue, a funny girl chatting around a barbecue yep. versus I'm going to do a 20 minute set or a five minute set. Yeah. You know, you step on stage and the audience are there glaring at you going, make me laugh. So what are the biggest mistakes that you reckon people make when trying to be humorous in uh, a presentation, not necessarily as a stand-up comedian, but mm. trying to, to be funny. What are some of the big issues that they, that people will face? Yeah, right. Well, look, I think stand-up comedy and keynote speaking, they are, they can be interchangeable. There's the rules that I learned from stand-up. You know, I literally walked into stand-up thinking there are no rules. Um, when I say rules, I should say rules of thumb because some people will say, well, you don't have to do that all the time. You can, and that's absolutely true. You can, you can, uh, you can bend the rules and change them and add, and the rules are quite broad, but I, I went to an open mic. So open mics where someone who's new to the game gets up on stage and, and performs. I went to an open mic in Adelaide two weeks ago when I was over there and there were some great open micers got up and they were hilarious. And I could, you know, because I mentioned my scientific background, I'm analyzing their joke structure as they're performing. I'm thinking, all right, that's the normal, normal waiting for the twist. Ah, there it is. Good. I still enjoy myself. I'm not, I'm not ticking you know, spreadsheets and <laughs> jotting graphs or anything. Um, and this girl got up there and I know immediately once she got up there, I know what the conversation that had happened two weeks before was she's sitting around a bunch of her, her friends, uh, probably a long table with lots of uh, Chardonnay or champagne and she's making them laugh. She's telling personal stories, uh, quite crude to be fair, uh, personal stories and they're having a ball. They're laughing and someone said to her, oh, you're hilarious. You should do stand-up comedy and what she's done is she's picked up that exact conversation with her girlfriends and she's tried to perform it on stage and uh, well look i think people laughed for for more for her <laughs> to for comfort but no one laughed ha ha this is hilarious yeah. it just didn't work and the reason it didn't work was because one she didn't she didn't surprise us she just told us embarrassing stories and we we as friends will laugh at our friends when they are embarrassed 
and we'll enjoy that, that embarrassing story, but that's not relevant to, to strangers. So to answer your question quickly, normal, normal twist. So go in there and say two things that are normal, like one, two, elephant, right? That's a very simplified version of that. You're expected three. Uh, I don't have to say one, two, three, elephant, because one, two creates the the pattern. And then then the third one has to be the twist. It has to be something. And that's kind of a rule of comedians, again, a rule of thumb, that comedians, experienced comedians sit at the back of the room and they try to guess the punchline before it comes out of the comedian's mouth. Yep. And if you can, if you can surprise a seasoned comedian, then you'll get you know, true, true respect in the comedy world. Yeah. Um, so I'll give you one example. So, and I use this one and you know, this is, I know here is a rule. Here is a rule. You can't steal other people's comedy. Yeah. And yeah. then, and because the, the reason I've seen it happen where someone's up there, they've stolen everyone else's jokes and there's, People in the front row who are, they're not comedians themselves, but they love comedians. So they've been yep. everywhere. Yep. This person was telling jokes and they're calling out the name of the person who wrote the joke at the oh. person telling it. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. No, that's exactly right. Yeah, you can't do it. So I'm going to tell you my joke yep. and uh, use this as you want, but I'm just reminding you, you know, <laughs> to the audience, if I hear this. <laughs> this, right. this is this is Morris intellectual property, people. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking to, to a point, but it, this is a, a useful one. I wrote this. Um, so, so it would be used in a keynote uh, opportunity at the right time. So hi, everyone. Good to see you. Hi, everyone. Good to see so many people here today, some familiar faces and um, my first wife. I oh, know it's okay. We're still married. I just call her that to keep her on her toes. Right. So that's the, that's the joke structure and um, good to see so many people here. That's normal. Um, um, and also my first wife. That's actually normal, although it is a little bit, a little bit uncomfortable for some. Mm. Um, no, it's okay. We're still married. I just call her that to keep her on her toes. Um, and that's the twist because, yeah, your first wife is your, you know, the wife you have, the only wife that you married would be your first wife. And yep. I'm not, you know, it's not illogical. It's a bit silly. Uh, and that's a good example of normal, normal twist. Yeah, and, cool. and that's what that, that lady on stage in Adelaide didn't do. She just told embarrassing stories. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so tell me about um, looking at um, the School of Hard Knock Knocks. You also have um, some online training stuff as well. Yep, so that's right. What, what's the future of it? So you're doing Melbourne. You're starting to expand out a little bit. And Melbourne's known for its comedy. Like in Australia, Melbourne, would you call Melbourne the comedy center of Australia? I would because I'm from Melbourne, but then people from Adelaide and Sydney would throw tomatoes at me. Excellent. Well, I'm from Melbourne as well. So yes, Melbourne is definitely the comedy center of Australia. So what's the plan? Are you expanding beyond? Like, Do the joke formats translate culturally? Like, Could you go to China and do some of this stuff? Oh, I've actually done uh, an open mic in China and also in Singapore. Uh, Singapore... Is, is a tough market because the English level's excellent, of course, but you've also got every other nationality there. So, cause it's a, it's a hub of business. So you've got Americans, yeah. Germans and French. So the problem is in one audience, you might have one of every nationality. Yeah. And so jokes then have to be either very generic for say Singapore you know, taxis and food in Singapore or so universally accepted like a Donald Trump joke. So that's a bit of a problem for China. Chinese themselves, aren't 
and my wife who's Chinese would, would slap me in the back of the head for this comment, but <laughs> their comedy is very different. And then, and stand up comedy as we know it in the Western form has not yet taken root in China. There right. are a couple of people out there. Storm Xu uh, is one example who does come to the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, um, you know, every, every year. Um, I've seen him perform in Shanghai, but he performs only in English with a little bit of Mandarin at times, yeah. but mostly in English for that audience. But for me, the, the reason, the, I guess the growth of the School of Hard Knock Knocks is going to be, well, fingers crossed, far, fast forwarded by the TV show that we're producing, which is a documentary about the school itself. Oh, right. So that's, so that's the is this thing on? That's what we're talking about there, yeah? Yeah, correct. So, yeah, so I, well, where did, interesting, I, I, I've got a friend of mine who's a, a TV uh, producer, director, and, um, and I was telling him how the audience or the students that enroll in our stand-up comedy course, they're not just Caucasian males aged 35 to 45, which, which is what I am. Uh, we have 40% women. We have, um, we have a lot of Indian or native um, I guess, ethnically Indian, a lot of Kiwis. We've had Scottish, Spanish, Ukrainian, uh, Italian. Uh, we've got people, uh, we've, our youngest have been 17. Our eldest has been 72. We've got people with post-traumatic stress disorder, bipolar, schizophrenia. Uh, people have traveled from WA and Sydney to do the course. Wow. So it's not, this pie is massively segmented. So for yeah. those in in the business world, you know, you'd know segmentation. So we do have the bucket list tickers, your 72 year old, your 67 year olds, um, who, who are doing it or the wife has sent the husband in, in a couple of cases to do the course as a bit of a, um, a bit of a bucket list, I guess, and, yeah. um, safer than skydiving. And then you've got people who have always wanted to get into comedy and they just, you know, a lot of them are very introverted, which mm. is ironic. And, and they do the course as well. So yeah, the school, the school is the school and the, is this thing on is the TV show that highlights these amazing different personalities. And we're going to be looking at 10 students, 50, 50 women to male. And that's just, it, it is actually a real class that, and that's how it turned out 50, 50, which is great. Um, I think the age group is somewhere in the early twenties to I think early fifties. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so a good mix of, of people there. We've got people from Adelaide, Sydney, and Melbourne all, all in the show. And they're playing themselves, their students. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. And so yeah. when's this likely to be come to air? Well, I can tell you when it starts filming, it's July the 2nd. So right. we're all in pre-production level at the moment. It's, five, it's uh, six days of filming, full days, uh, Monday through to the Saturday. And yep. then on Saturday is the final performance. And we'll, we'll have right. about 150 to 200 people watching the final performance as an audience within uh, a stage theater. Yeah, yeah. Um, then hopefully, depending on uh, a couple of meetings I've got lined up, we'll, ha- we'll, we'll have one of the big networks in Australia uh, okay. take it up. Yeah, six, so is, is this not like a 90 minute documentary kind of thing? Is that what you're looking at? It's uh, six, uh, six episodes, each of 30 minutes. So okay. you'll follow, you'll follow the journey of these 10 people as they arrive. Uh, and it's not just the learning of the class. So the format is, is broken into three parts. There's a, there's a classroom. So they'll, they'll actually be taught by Glenn Nicholas. Those that remember the big gig yeah, yeah, yeah. Nicholas show, that's, that's Glenn. He'll be teaching uh, uh, the skills through the day. And then we'll have a guest comedian, people like uh, Elliot Goblet. You might remember that name. 
Jack Levi's his his real name, yeah, but his yeah. uh, his uh, character name is Elliot Goblet. Chris Franklin. We've got Brad Oaks, and they they come in and they uh, talk about something specific, and um, then we go on. A third part is an excursion. We go out of the uh, the, the classroom environment, and when I say classroom, it's actually a, a room in the back of a pub. Yeah, and then we go to somewhere outside. So we've got some amazing. I won't say too much in case we uh, I spoil it for those. Oh, that yeah, want to watch no, it. no spoilers. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. But there's some frightening things going to happen. Uh, yeah, all I can right. say, some frightening and embarrassing things are going to happen on those that's, excursions. That's awesome. Hey, um, mm. I just want to go back to your Singapore gigs. Um, mm. And you were talking about how they have a mixed audience. And it's very true. Like Americans typically like a lot more slapstick, in-your-face kind of comedy. They don't do subtle comedy too well. The Brits do subtle comedy incredibly well from my my perspective. And there are some... And some people think Germans aren't funny yet mm-hmm. in the German language. They, there is something that is very funny about some of the stuff they do. So right. as a comedian or as a presenter or as someone talking, how important is it to know who's in the audience? Yeah, well, um, in my days of, of China, one of the main roles I had was teaching presentation skills, right. and uh, which, which prepared me very well for the comedy world, of course, because part of comedy stand-up is standing up and one of the things the first thing i used to teach was audience analysis a-u-d-i-e-n-c-e so a attendees who are they where are they from you understanding d demographics right are they male female are they um you know from hr departments are they you know are they chinese are they australian um i interest what's their interest level do they want to be there were they forced to be there mm-hmm. uh, e is environment are you do you have a lectern are you on a stage do you have a microphone is there a projector n needs what are the needs of the audience um and also the organizer sort of subtle things hidden uh like bathroom breaks and uh uh being able to you know, give face to certain members of the group that you're presenting to c customization how can you make it specific about them use their name their department uh, and E is expectations. What's your expectation or what's the expectation of the audience? What are they, what are they expecting to learn from you? Or what is the organizer expecting you to do during that time? So that's what I used to teach as, as about an hour block uh, on the first day of a two-day course uh, on presentation skills. So yes, that's the thing that we teach. And in the TV show, we're actually going to screw with the, the student comedians because we're going to give them an audience that is completely different than the one that they're going to present uh, on the final day. Right. And that, and that group of that audience is a group of school kids. So they're going to have all these jokes about drinking beer and euphemisms about sex and so on, which they won't be able to use. And they've got this audience there that are just going, okay, entertain us, funny man. Yeah. And that could be be their first bomb. I reckon school school kids would be hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they would be very hard. That sounds amazing. Um, hey, thank you so much for your time today. It's been great chatting to you. If people want to find out more about the School of Hard Knock Knocks or yourself and how you might be able to help them get better on stage or, or be funny, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Oh, well, the website, which is the whole reason we called it the School of Hard Knock Knocks because it was available, www.schoolofhardknockknocks.com. Fantastic. Hey, Murray, thank you so much for your time today. No worries, Warwick. Thanks very much for the call. You've been listening to another episode of the Get More Success Show. I'm your host, Warwick Merry. I look forward to your company next time. Thanks for listening to the Get More Success Show with Warwick Merry. 
continue the conversation with other successful people over at getmoresuccess.com. That's where you'll find all the show notes as well as a link to our Facebook group that we'd love for you to join. Getmoresuccess.com is also where you'll find all the information you need to connect with me, your host, Warwick Merry. Thanks for listening, and until next time, enjoy your success.